0: It's time for JT the Brick.
1: Cardinals come in, the classic term, a wounded animal. Last time I went against Arizona, he didn't have
2: hurts, and he's pretty dynamic. And, you know, even the young kid that stepped in there, 83, George, I mean, like, I mean, he
1: made some plays the other day. This Cardinal game's a big game. Kingsbury looking at his quarterback going, I don't know. Quarterback looking at his coach going, I don't know.
2: I refuse to, to let my
3: work ethic, my preparation be in question.
0: JT the Brick.
1: The Cardinals are playing for their life right now. It's an important game for both franchises. I think Raider Nation's got to show up big at Allegiant Stadium. It's got to be really strong. Everybody's got to be excited about this game. And what the Raiders need to do, I believe, is they have to start fast. And they got to get Derek Carr going to review. Get your ass together and get to midseason form on this Cardinal game. And now here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, JT. Back with you. Hour number two. My exclusive interview with the head coach uh, Josh McDaniels. If you missed that it'll be at Raiders.com on all their TV platforms and leading the Raiders report this week. He had a lot to say. I'm live from the Raider facility the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center as the Raiders get set to host the Cardinals. There's no one I'd rather speak to on uh, previewing the Cardinals and the Hall of Fame voter, uh, the legendary insider, great friend, Howard Balzer, with two 0-1 teams, Howard, coming into Allegiant Stadium. Looking forward to seeing you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, J.P.,
4: looking good. So, unfortunately, with uh, doing a little switch here in the, my affiliations, I uh, uh, won't, be, won't be making uh, the trip uh, uh, to Vegas, uh, but I'll have to do it another time. But it's going to be an interesting Sunday, certainly, uh, with both teams. Uh, pretty, I don't know desperate is the word yet mm-hmm. in a very young season, but you certainly don't want to fall to 0-2 uh, You know, in Week 2, obviously.
1: Yeah, 0-2 is a nightmare. So let me go through what happened to Arizona against Kansas City because Mahomes played in the preseason for a reason. Andy Reid wanted him out there. He got in a rhythm. He threw five touchdowns. What was the breakdown from the Arizona defense that led to Mahomes having such a big day? It was a combination of things. Certainly a, a, a part
4: of it, JP, was lack of personnel. The Cardinals went into this game with nobody th- without a third cornerback. And that's a recipe for disaster when you're playing against uh, Patrick Mahomes. And you know their, their third corner played like nine snaps in the game. They were using linebackers to cover wide receivers at times. And Patrick Mahomes was going to find that. And make plays. So that was that was certainly a part of it. And then uh, th- a lot of the coaches and players were talking about it this week about communication issues, and that guys were either lined up wrong, the plays were coming in slow, uh, that you know they had a new guy call- relaying the defense, Isaiah Simmons, who is in uh, his third season now. He's got that green dot on his helmet. And when asked about Simmons, because Simmons even acknowledged yesterday that. Man, that was a big adjustment. You know, having to be ready on that, do that every play, and uh, have your head, you know, head totally in the game to be able to do that, and get everybody lined up. And so, but coordinator Vance Joseph said it was everybody. It, w- it wasn't just him. He didn't play that. He didn't play well. But you know, we made made mistakes on critical situations, and the game just got away from him. But a big part of it, JT, mm-hmm. was that the offense for three quarters, basically did nothing. They had one touchdown drive and then very little after that. So if you were able to at least score some points, hey, you're going to give up points, obviously, when you play the Chiefs. But you better be able to be c- close to matching them if you want it to be a competitive game. And you see the final score, and it, w- it wasn't pretty, but it was even worse than the final score. It was 37-7 to 7 after three quarters. So uh, the-, the offense really has to pick it up. And there were a bunch of reasons why why – you know, why they played like they did, but, you know, they, they say it'll be different this week, and we'll see. The, the weird thing, JP, is that this team now, I know it dates back to last year, and some players like Kyla Murray says, well, that was last year, new team, new players, all that. But the Cardinals now have lost six consecutive home games, last five of wow. last year, and now this one last week. However, last year, they were 8 and 1 on the road. And a lot of the games, they dominated teams on the road so you know we'll we'll see I I I think they're going to play better but the question is obviously they're playing a Raiders team that has a lot of weapons and with Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro I mean they're going to be matched up against that compromised secondary which by the way might not have one of their starting safeties now Jalen Thompson who suddenly showed up on the injury report yesterday with a toe injury and did not practice yesterday or today so that that secondary is going to be even have have fewer fewer bullets in the chamber, if you will, than they had last week.
1: Hall of Fame voter Howard Balls, a great friend of the show, kind enough to join us to preview the Cardinals at the Raiders. So your perception when you're on NFL Radio on Sirius XM and you look at the Raiders' offensive line, knowing that Colt Miller got beat badly by Mac and they're playing seven. So I just talked to the head coach on this. They're going to stay with this rotation. They, they don't believe that they have their five set and they're going to rotate some young guys in. And I don't know. A, a lot of people aren't used to this. You've been around the sport a long time, but I think that's the issue that the Raiders have until they're set with their best five. What should the Raiders be concerned about with this offensive line going up against the pass rush of Arizona? Well, the problem is the Cardinals right
4: now uh, don't have much of a pass rush, and they have some young guys that they're hoping will develop but they don't have a Khalil Mack. You know, they don't have a, a you know a Joey mm-hmm. Bosa. They don't have guys like that. Obviously, they had Chandler Jones, and now 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 the Cardinals are going to be facing him in this game, along with uh, Max Crosby in that pass rushing situation. And I know that obviously at the end of that game, there when the Raiders made it a one score game, and third and fourth down uh, with the, with the ball, uh, there were two sacks on third and fourth down. But like I said, the, the Cardinals don't have those guys. Now that doesn't mean that a Marcus Golden or a Victor Daimu KJ or some, one of their young guys, Dennis Gardeck, they can get to the quarterback, but it's not, it's not the consistent level that you get from some of those other guys mm-hmm. where the, where the offense truly has to account for their presence. And so that's, that's one of, that's one of the issues too with that Cardinals defense. And they're not great against the run. I mean, the crazy thing is, is as, as off as Patrick Mahomes went, JP, in the first drive of the game, on these first three carries, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the Chiefs running back, ran for 32 yards on three, on three running plays. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders see that. They, they just come out and hand it to Josh Jacobs. Obviously, they'll mix it up with the, with the passing game, too. But if you can run it like that, then you're going to avoid those down and distance situations that can lead uh, to some of the sacks. So it's a, it's a tough matchup uh, for the Cardinals. And we'll see, we'll see if, if they're capable of, you know, playing better. The one thing on offense, they do get Zach Ertz back, who played last week but was on uh, what he called a pitch count. I don't know why he wouldn't call it a snap count, because mm-hmm. this, is, this is football, not <laughs> right, baseball. Right. But, uh, but he, you know, he, he was not totally healthy. Uh, they, he, he says he's totally healthy now, and that should help the offense and the passing game and and we'll see if Tyler Murray and everybody else if they can just just be a lot more consistent on offense than they were last week.
1: Hey Howard, what's the perception of this team? I mean, Josh McDaniels was blown away that they were 8 and 1 on the road. I am. That's a remarkable remarkable record, 8 and 1 on the road. The first team to 10 wins last year. What's the perception in the organization since they put that clause in the, I call it the video game clause, into Kyler Murray's contract and they pulled it out because it embarrassed him? And now I'm just sensing having a national show and being around the league that a lot of people don't think the Cardinals are the team they were the last two years. Is that a fair perception? How do they turn this around? Well, it's a great question because right now
4: it doesn't appear that they are at least the team that that they were. They're closer now to the team they were at the end of last season when they could hardly win when they were very banged up on offense. you know they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins at the end of the season. They don't have him now because he's on the suspended list. Uh, they only had one running back uh, because at, at times you know Chase Edmonds, who's now in Miami and James Conner only played one game together in the second half you know in the final nine games of the regular season and they overworked those guys. Last week, you know, James Conner was most effective last year when he was playing about half the downs. Last week he played 72%. So they, they, have, they have some questions. They had to start. Here's how bad the injuries are, JT. They made a trade for Cody Ford from the Bills several weeks ago when Justin Pugh, the starting left guard, was banged up. and they had And so Ford played the final preseason game, and he was probably going to be the starter last week for the Chiefs game. And he got hurt in practice on Thursday and had to go on injury reserve. So they were playing their number three guard and Rodney Hudson at center, the former Raider, he's taken rest days. He hardly practiced Mm -hmm. all summer. So I, I I think that that line right now could be one of their Achilles heels. So I'm not sure that this team is the same team. I mean, they have talent and Marquise Brown, they got to get the ball to him more, but it's, it's, it's tough to be consistent, especially if you have some questions on that offensive line. So, um, everyone's intrigued in Phoenix to see if they can at least turn it around and play better. But they, like, like you said, I think everybody's right. There are a lot of questions about this team, and it's you know, they can they can fall into a hole pretty quickly because after this game on Sunday, the Rams come in yeah. the final week, or the following week, I should say. So that and everyone knew that was going to be a pretty daunting first three games of
1: this season for sure Howard last one you've been doing this a while at the highest level Are you used to Las Vegas yet in the NFL knowing the Super Bowls coming here the Pro Bowls here the value of Mark Davis's team you knew Mr. Davis Al Davis very well and what the worth of the Raiders were in Oakland and Los Angeles and now the revenue stream now that they can plug into a Legion Stadium not just for football but all these other massive events where the Raiders have an income stream here it's kind of amazing isn't it it really is, and especially when,
4: however many years ago we want to say it was, 10 years, 15 years, I mean, I think if you worked in the league office and even said the name Las Vegas in the NFL office, you might be in danger of losing your job because it was, it was just anathema to even consider that there would be a team in Las Vegas. Now, of course, you've got you know, all, these, all these different teams, and it's a, it's a totally new world, obviously, not only in football but in professional sports. And and the revenue stream, like you said, is pretty incredible. And JT, you know this. I mean, I lived in Vegas for a year and a half back in the ni- back in the mid nineties when I was working national radio. And I mm. moved from St. Louis, moved back to St. Louis when the Rams moved. But one of the things was, I, I loved being there. But there was basically no sports. You know, they had the minor league teams and all that, but that was about it. Man, if they had all these teams back then, I never even with the Rams going to St. Louis, I wouldn't have moved back because I think it's a great place to be. And it's just a great atmosphere, and, and and the Raiders are you know starting to capitalize on it, and I think uh, I think the future future is good for them. We'll see we'll see how consistent they can be with Josh McDaniels as the head coach. It's always always tough when you have change and you're look you know figuring out a new way of doing things. But he's got a quarterback this time, which he didn't have when he was the head coach in Denver, and I think that'll probably bode well for him. So yeah, it's it's a whole new world. <laughs> Whole, whole new world with the gambling and everything else being yeah. go all over the country, and so um, all, all the leagues are taking advantage of it. And now, not only but heck, these teams are making money on gambling. <laughs> yeah. Fun, funny how the perception changes when you can make money off it, right, JC?
1: For sure. I'm disappointed. I won't see. You. I was going to reach out to Cookie Jaw and get some karaoke going for us, so we'll have to do it a different time.
4: Yeah, I guess we'll have to. Uh, yeah. So he, he was he was my go to guy for many 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 many, oh, no many late doubt. nights. In Absolutely. Vegas when I was there hard, hard to believe it was it was what was it, 27 years ago when uh, when I that, that I was there
1: that's way how time flies talk to you soon my friend thanks for the preview my pleasure JP take care Howard Balzer that's a deep dive into Arizona okay let me absorb that for a second he's a Hall of Fame voter serious XM NFL radio that guy's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know and Sounds like Arizona's a mess. He said they can't run it. They have no pass rush. And they went into last game with only three corners. So they're in trouble. And he talked about the Ram game coming up next. Raiders on the road to Nashville. I'll be traveling with the team to Nashville. Is it do or die? No, it's not do or die, but it's a big game. Winner move forward, loser go home. This is a very important game for both franchises. And the Raiders, it's kind of a new regime, new GM, new coach. We know the issues they have. We know that they locked up the great players on this team. But Arizona had a window. They had a window to win the Super Bowl the last couple of years, clearly, as a playoff team. It sounds like the window's closing. And they're not very happy out there in the desert. Very interesting to hear what Howard said. Got to go win this game, Raider Nation. Seems like Arizona is not at 100%, and they're a vulnerable team. Passionate Raider. Leading off the hour here on the flagship, go ahead.
2: Good afternoon, J.C. Yeah, man, that, that, that that's, that's kind of puzzling about Arizona, but, you know, it kind of comes back to bite Kyler in the butt from uh, everything that he had going on through the offseason to not come out this year and get paid and have to deal with this, you know. But, but just have to listen to a couple things that I've heard about the, the game this past week, you know, with with some of the people saying refro wasn't running his routes all the way through and whatnot, you know. And, and just from being around the game, going with my you know, you're not going full speed. You're liable to get hurt. So, you know, I don't know what's going on. I kind of was curious why Hunter wasn't named the captain. He was the previous two years and now this year he's not. So I don't know, man, you know, I just, I just want to see Hunter do good and and whatnot. But, you know, and then listening to Derek's interview again, after the, the one you just played, you know, it's like, sometimes I just wonder why does he feel that he has to tell us so much? Like, some things it's like we don't need to know. I don't need to know Josh called you and all. I mean, you know, the the, the, the plays are the plays, and I could see one thing that, that 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 will not give me the benefit or will not let me give him the benefit. JT is you've got guys, all the guys you're throwing the ball to, you have come, out, you have been playing with, so you don't have anybody new that you're throwing the ball to. Devontae, you you say you guys resisting this, so. I don't understand why the offense has to be so complex to where he has to be like Mm -hmm. we have to go into biology to pass the ball. So, you know, I just hope this weekend, you know, going against a battered Rams, uh, a battered uh, uh, Cardinal team, JT, they come out and and we don't barely win this game, man, because if we just barely win this game, I don't think that that's going to that's going to make Raider Nation happy, man. I don't we care. To see I don't care. I, I just out, need a win.
1: Passionate, business, passionate. They need a win.
2: lifting their wounds right now. And if yeah. we can't do that, and Josh goes down 2 this team goes down 0-2, JT, it's going to be rough, man. And you know I'm always pulling for the win, man. But just some of the stuff I'm hearing, man, it just got me scratching my head, man, and I'm hoping it's not what it is. But, hey, let's go out and play the game. We can, can't do nothing to the ball's height, JT.
1: We well, you seem, you seem, you appreciate time. the call. Thank you. You seem very concerned. You seem very concerned. And, uh, you know, you're a fan. You're very up and down. You're very, and I'm fine with that. I have no problem with fans who are going up and down and are emotional. That's what sports talk radio is. I wouldn't have a career. I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for emotional fans. And that go back and forth, back and forth. That's what happens. They're doing it in Denver. Uh, they're doing it badly as we speak right now in Dallas. That's the only thing I can tell you from being in this building today and being in here a lot is that there's no panic. Josh McDaniels is cool. They got a plan. They're going to stick to the plan. No matter what the record is, what happens early in the season, they will stick to this plan. They believe it's a winning formula. And I think most Raider fans understand that. But you'd like to get off to a smoother start and go 1-1. and I agree with that. Uh, Raider Dave in Denver. Always appreciate your calls, Dave. What's happening?
0: Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's going to come down to if Parham is going to be the center, which to me it looks like it will be, his communication of picking up blitzes and Carr's communication of seeing the corner blitz come because I just watched that game, and that's a lot of what Cardinals did because they don't have the kind of pass rush, just like your previous guest had talked about. So that's going to be a real, a real critical thing to go ahead and be able to pick those up and make them pay for it, and I think Carr can do that. I'm just worried about communication on the line, and I agree with you that you know, having a couple other subs come in, how does that communication work with newer guys coming in that haven't been there all game and can recognize, read, and recognize what's going on? So I certainly hope they don't uh, bring two guys in on the line as often as they did last time, but really the communication on the line and, and with Carr mm-hmm. on the corner blitzes is going to make or break this. I think Raiders win 37-26.
1: All right, that'd be a nice score. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot for checking in. Yeah, I think the Raiders will win the game, too. I think they're the better team unless there's turnovers or sacks and things that we're not prepared to see, right? We all think that the Raiders are probably better. I think they're a better team than the Titans. I didn't pick the Titans to make the playoffs this year, but you got to go out and win. you got to go out and win these games, and the communication is very important. And we all know that they've been working on it. That's why I'm, that's why I'm confident. Again, I don't predict games for a living. But I'm confident because this is all they worked on, right, everybody? What they worked on the entire offseason was multiple offensive line combinations for this reason. If Dave Ziegler wasn't able to go out and get a free agent value offensive lineman, it was going to have to be the young kid stepping up. So we were going to have to see young players step up and play at a higher level. So they didn't have a first and second round pick. Now let's assume they got Devontae. Okay, and they had a first and second round pick, Okay, which is, it's almost impossible to do, but follow me. If they were able to get a player and get Devontae, they would have spent a first or a second round pick on an offensive lineman, for sure, because their first pick was in the third round and what they take. Dylan Parham, an offensive lineman who's versatile. This offseason, or maybe this year too, if a trade's a possibility, they're going to get a young offensive lineman who's in the mold of a Colton Miller you know, hasn't been a pro bowler yet, younger, not 30 years old, and try to teach him and coach him up to be a better player. I thought they'd have that guy by now. I'd tell you when I'm wrong. Most people tell me when I'm wrong, but I'll tell you again. I thought that the Raiders would have another offensive lineman in this building by now who was a recognizable player cut from another team. Wasn't the case. So what does that lead me to believe? That Dave Ziegler and his department looked at those said players and didn't think the value was right didn't think the price was right, the player was right, and it was a good fit. And they're comfortable going with the young player. The problem with going with the young players is there are going to be mistakes. There are going to be young people mistakes that happen with young players, and everybody's got to be comfortable with that. It's going to take weeks or months for a young player on the offensive line to be battle-tested in the NFL. This isn't college anymore. This isn't playing at Memphis or TCU Or playing in a smaller conference and then playing. You're playing the NFL and the best of the best. And the Raiders got punched in the face in Los Angeles by Khalil Mack. What happens if Bosa had three sacks? He's capable of doing that. And Mack had a monster game. So the Raiders can't allow that to happen again. Quick reminder, Cafe Americano tomorrow. I'm looking at the menu. Unbelievable burgers. You can get there early for breakfast. I'll be there at noon. We'll be outside. Gorilla Rilla bobblehead. That's a big deal for Rilla. Gorilla Rilla goes to these games. He's got a bobblehead now. Black Hole Cisco in the crew is going to come there. The Modelo boys. And right around 145 tomorrow, I'm going to have a chilled bucket of Modellos waiting for me, and I'm going to reward myself with an unbelievable week here with these, these great people. And celebrating my boss, Tony Benici, who I went to his retirement party last night. The heart and soul of Lotus Broadcasting. One of my mentors, Tony Benici, Most of the people listening in town and business, if you have a big business, you've been in radio, you know who Tony is. Last night was his retirement party, and it was special to be there with him, and he's going to be around a lot still with Lotus, but an official retirement party. It was really cool to hear speeches and family and people at our company pay tribute to Tony and Linda Benici for everything they've done. I wouldn't be on the radio. I wouldn't be in Vegas. I wouldn't have the opportunities that I've had locally and nationally if it wasn't for Tony Benici. Happy retirement, Tony, and I look forward to seeing you even more now that you're retired. 702-365-9200. Uh, when we come back, we'll get a phone call in or two, and then Kevin Ioli's going to join us. The great boxing insider, we'll talk to him about the potential for Canelo Triple G. What's going to happen with Errol Spence and Bud Crawford as that fight is right there and about to be dotted. Dot the I's, cross the T's. And then Johnny Katz, the entertainment reporter, the entertainment reporter. In Las Vegas, and he'll talk about the concerts and the events coming up this weekend. Another flex test for the emer- for the entertainment industry. Everybody's here this week.
4: Renfro again in motion, right to left. He's lined outside of Adams in the gun on first and ten. Carr, clean pocket, settles, far, deep pass, looking at in the goal line, intercepted! Asante Samuel Jr.
5: takes a knee in the end zone.
1: Jason Horowitz on the call, Raiders play-by-play voice. He'll join us live from the Torch on Sunday. What a lineup we got at the Torch on Sunday. Please come out and enjoy what we do on the pregame show. We're brought to you by Meetup Vegas. Happy National Day. Double cheeseburger day. Order now for Las Vegas delivery next week. The best of Las Vegas. It means something. It's the meat hookup. Go to MeetUpVegas.com. Put JT Brick into the checkout and get the meat hookup that I give to friends here around the city who love the deal. Love the deal. And don't wait in line at butchers or grocery stores ever again. The Gourmet Ground Beef. 60% Sixty percent brisket and forty percent chuck, seven pounds and fourteen pounds available for seventy dollars, man. Inflation's a big deal at the grocery store. Check out my meat hookup at meetupvegas All right, Steve, you're up next. Thanks for holding. This is Raider Nation Radio. Go ahead.
3: Hey J T uh first time caller. I've been listening to you since the Jim Rome days. Really happy for your career and everything. Glad Thank to Thank you. If the Raider's gonna move to somewhere it'll be you know where you're at in Vegas. I remember you taking all those trips back down from yeah. the Bay Area after the games. So, uh, Thank you. anyway, um, you know, I was heard, heard you asking about the Amazon thing mm-hmm. tonight. If you go uh, in your portal, you can actually click a button that says record games. So, it, if you could get to that, you could record the game and see the game after the show. It's just kind of hard to be, you know, on that media blackout, at, you know, mm-hmm. when you're out and about. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know... Um, I'm a firefighter out here in Denver and uh, had to work on Sunday and I got absolutely hammered by donkey fans at at work. So I was, uh, you know, they actually made Apple turnovers for me for dessert. So, um, you know, it was really cool to go to work yesterday and hammer them back. You know, we have (laughs) a big uh, flag at our flag at our firehouse that says uh, Broncos country Let's ride. I ended up changing it to Broncos country wide left. So, Mm. Anyway, um, at, you, know, you did uh,
1: that at the firehouse with all yeah, those you, Bronco firemen? You were able to mess with the flag? Y- yeah, absolutely. I mean,
3: we hammer each other all the time. And me being Good. a Raider fan here, you know, in Denver Fire, it's, uh, you know, it's a target rich environment. So, yep. um, anyway. Real quick, you know, give me the
1: key to the game. I got to run. I got to guess. Give me okay, the key to yeah, the victory.
3: I, I'm going to say, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, it's. Staying with, uh, you know, the thought pattern of, you know, the philosophies and, you know, not getting all riled up like all these Raider fans are. You know, let's just see what these guys can do. So I got the Chiefs tonight, too, as well. So
1: Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Wow. You know, I, I still don't know who to root for tonight. I don't root for other teams here, but if Kansas City wins, they're off to the races, everybody. If Kansas City wins, they are off to the races. 12-13 win team. And if the Chargers win and they could beat the Raiders and the Chiefs back-to-back, man, in the AFC West, they're kind of off to a hell of a start, too. So we'll get into this tomorrow, too, as we do the live remote at Cafe Americano at Caesars. Kevin Ioli, the best, combat sports writer, boxing, MMA, and I'm thrilled I could get a few minutes uh, with him ahead of Canelo and Triple G for the trilogy. Kevin, you've been to the other ones. How excited are you to see the trilogy come to an end here? How are you? Hey, JT, I'm
6: really excited about the fight, but it doesn't seem like a lot of other people are, right? I mean, the buzz for this one is decidedly down. There's maybe 7,000 tickets left. Uh, Wow. The the pay-per-view doesn't seem like it's going to be as big. Uh, The fight itself, I think, is going to be sensational. And the intensity uh, between them, they just finished their uh, face-off just a a few minutes ago, and it was really, really intense. Uh, The two guys... The first fight, they didn't have a hard feeling for each other. They were just competitors. The second fight, Canelo had had the failed drug test in between. Gennady said some things. There was, there was a dislike between them before that fight. But it has really ramped up for this one, and, uh, boy, they're into it. But the, I'm just not sensing a lot of buzz out there, JD. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the public at large really isn't buying this right now.
1: Well, what's interesting about this being the third fight here is the, the ref and especially the judges in the past fights. They were tough fights to score, and you score, and that's why I always follow you, especially when I can't be at a fight. Go back to these two fights and how complex was it to kind of figure out who won. You
6: know, I think the first fight was not that hard. I mean, you know, um, and all due respect to Adelaide Byrd, uh, she just had a really bad night that night. She scored a 10-2 to for Alvarez. And I even said to Alvarez the other day, uh, I said, you know, he said he thought he won that fight, and I said, do you think the fact that people were so against you from that fight was because of the scorecard? And he said, yes, but I had nothing to do with it. Meaning, you know, people Mm. could have accepted if he won seven to five, but when it was ten to two, they kind of thought, hey, is there something crazy going on here? I don't think there was, but I think that's what the the suspicion that was raised when they saw that card. The first fight wasn't that hard to score, though. I thought Golovkin controlled the fight uh, and won a very clean decision, in my opinion.
1: Kevin Ioli is our guest. So what's at stake for the legacy here of Triple G? Canelo lost his last fight. He's had a brilliant career. He lost to Floyd. Never should have had that fight early in his career. Floyd was just a master tactician. So let's talk legacies with both fighters. What's at stake here?
6: I'll tell you what, you know, they're both Hall of Famers, but there is a lot at stake when you consider this because, you know, it's how you are perceived. You know, there's guys that get into the Hall of Fame with the, you know, bare minimum votes and they're, you know, they're kind of backbench Hall of Famers, so to speak, right? And then you've got the elite of the elite of the elite. And I wrote this the other day. If you look at Golovkin and if he got the nod in those two decisions, which most of the media thought he, I think it's almost unanimous he won the first fight and very high percentage that thought he won the second fight, he is right now 44-0 and and we're having a conversation. Are we looking at the greatest middleweight who ever lived? Now, I don't think he is that. But I think that that would be the kind of discussion we're having. Now, you know, a very highly regarded boxing writer, um, the, uh, one of the announcers on DAZN, Chris Mannix, said mm-hmm. to me recently he wasn't sure Golovkin is even a Hall of Famer. And that's mm-hmm. this, you know, the switch that you see by losing those two fights. So it, uh, for Gennady, it, it, this fight is everything for him. You know, he wins this and it validates the rest of his career. Little different for Canelo because Canelo has fought so many big fighters. You yes. know, Miguel Cotto and, and Golovkin twice. And I mean, up and down the list. Bibble the last time out and Caleb Plant. And, you know, the, you just go down the list of great fighters he's fought. And he has a lot of wins over those guys. So if he loses, I don't think it hurts his um, legacy all that much. But it sure does with Gennady.
1: Uh, last one for Kevin Iola. Kevin, i like to spend the final few minutes talking about the Spence and Crawford announcement. Uh, according to several sources, you know this, have agreed to all the material terms for a super fight. I think it would be Vegas on November 19th. I've been yeah. badgering you about this fight for years with all your appearances with me. Why did it take so long? I'm so negative that it took so long, but I'm so happy that we're going to see it. Tell us about this and how it came together. Well, you know,
6: as i mike coppinger was the one that broke the news today from espn that you know that there's an agreement i still haven't been able to confirm that there's an agreement i've had people tell me it's very close but i have yet to have somebody say that it's a done deal and we're there so i assume if it's not actually a uh, done deal today that it will be soon um the thing was you know they they had a lot of difficulty with crawford just like top rank did top rank promoted crawford for much of his career, and they parted ways after the Sean Porter fight because Terrence's financial expectations did not match uh, his ability to sell tickets and, and, and draw, and so, you know, he hasn't had a really good pay-per-view presence. You know, in my opinion right now, the best fighter in the world, no question, Terrence Crawford, and, and we're talking some good contenders at the top, Canelo, Noya, Inouye, Alexander Usyk, but I believe Crawford is the best, but he, you know, he hasn't... Uh, you know he doesn't care about promoting fights. He's kind of got that ornery attitude. And as great as he is, you know you have to appeal to a lot of segments of the population to sell, and he hasn't been able to do that. But the fact that we're close, we're talking about it now, JT. I think it's going to become a reality if it's not a reality as of today. And and that's really good news for for both of those guys, but for us as boxing fans.
1: Well, last one, because we love Vegas and we live here, and we'll talk about the Golden Knights on a, a further conversation. This would be a fight for Allegiant Stadium, wouldn't it? I, I had, it would have to be. T-Mobile couldn't be big enough, and I know Jerry would want that. And uh, if, if the story is true, that was broken by ESPN and it's here in Vegas. Wouldn't that be a perfect venue to have it at and, and to do it at Allegiant Stadium if there's not a conflict? I- I think I think it's a uh it's a T Mobile
6: fight, you know, to okay. be honest with you. As I said, you know, you're it's gonna be hard to get that many. I think Spence will bring some people on the road with him, but mm-hmm. hey, Spence sold out the um well, I shouldn't say sold out the, sold out the tickets they had, you know, fifty high 50s a couple times when he fought uh, Mm -hmm. at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas. But he's not going to be able to travel that many people, and I don't think Crawford would even travel what Spence does. So I think, you know, from everything I've been told, Spence is fighting November 19th at T-Mobile Arena, whether it's Terrence Crawford or somebody else. So I expect it Mm -hmm. to be at T-Mobile with uh, Terrence uh, and and Earl Spence being uh, the headliners.
1: I'll see you ringside Saturday night. Thanks for doing this. Look for it, brother. See you. Take care. Bye. Kevin Ioli. Wow, what a good friend. What a, great, what a great boxing insider he is. So hear what he said. ESPN broke the story. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. Kevin said he can't confirm it. He gave credit to the ESPN writer who was able to do that, Mike Coppinger, but Kevin's got, in my opinion, better sources than Mike Coppinger. And Kevin said, no, I can't confirm that yet. And it's a big deal for me because that fight is the fight that I've been waiting for. That's the fight that I've been waiting for the longest is to see Crawford versus Spence. To me, that is a super fight between two super elite boxers. The problem is they should have had this fight three years ago or four years ago, and then we'd be talking about the trilogy like we're going to see. What a weekend out here. I'll be going to Canelo, Triple G, and then turning it around, be at the torch for the pregame show for the opener. Again, there's certain things I can say, other things I can't. You'll find out uh, the Entertainment at Allegiant Stadium for the pre, for the pregame, top four entertainer of my lifetime, for me, maybe not for you, but I think so, top four all time on my Mount Rushmore of performers, just overall scope and body of that, and then a pretty big halftime performance, if you haven't figured that out yet, pretty big, again, I know fans want to see football games and wins, I do too. This is Vegas. There's a lot of people in that building. And the entertainment is mind-blowing to me. I don't know how they pull it off. They pull it off every week. I'm in the building today and I I got whispered in hushed tones who's performing. I said, you better believe I'll be at the Torch. I'm hosting from the Torch, but I'm going to be up there. And you should be too. Raiders really know how to put on a show. Now let's put a show on the field and go win the game. Johnny Katz from the review journal coming up here in a minute on what's happening around town before we wrap it up.
3: Yeah, and they're coming. They're coming to the game. So I'm excited. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That was my question.
6: Yeah, yeah, they're coming.
3: Yeah, they'll be here. My grandma. She. We already got her set up at one of the MGM resorts. And, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, she, she'll be she'll be in town. Um, and then my daughter's birthday is next week, so she'll be out here just hanging out in Vegas, probably on the slots or something, chilling, and uh, and yeah, just hanging out with us. So it's good to have them in town.
1: Stevante Adams, what a human being. He wanted to be closer to his family. Can you imagine him lending money to his family to play the slots and to see this life that he has out here? What a great player. I can't wait to watch Devonte play in real time. Welcome back, JT with you. Johnny Katz joins us, our great friend from the Review-Journal. And, Johnny, I want to begin with uh, the loss of your colleague at the Review-Journal. Tell us about your friend Jeff, your relationship, and what he meant to you. I feel so sorry for your loss.
7: Um, yeah, uh, it's good to uh, be with you again, JT. Um, as I uh, um, have been saying, Jeff and I—we uh, were teammates. You know, is the best way to describe uh, describe uh, our relationship over the years. I worked with Jeff at two different publications at the uh, Las Vegas Sun from 1998 to until, until 2010, when I was at Greenspan Media Group, and again for the past six years at the uh, at the RJ. And uh, you know, it's a uh, uh, we're still, you know, processing it. We're still dealing with it. He was Jeff was uh, the quintessential investigative re- reporter. That's the best way to just des- to s- describe him. Um, he just ground and ground and grinded out stories, you know, all the time. And uh, he was, uh, if you were to do a, uh, you know, create a character who was a- an investigative reporter, it would be him. He was built for that. And, um, yeah, I knew him well over the years. We worked on Mobbed Up, the mm. podcast, uh, season two last, a uh, couple years ago, the season two that had to do with the Aladdin. I'd interviewed Wayne Newton and we worked together on how to, how to present questions to Wayne Newton. We worked pretty, you know, extensively on that together. And, um, you know, uh, it's a it's it's Stop. a personal loss. It's a professional tragedy, and it's it's an attack on our uh, our
1: industry. It as is well,
7: is what we do. You know?
1: It definitely is. Uh, and again, Godspeed to him. And this story is a national story, and it really hurts a lot of people here. Let's move on to entertainment. It's just incredible what's going on here. We could have a parade for the Aces. Mark Davis has a game on Sunday. I'm going to Nine Inch Nails tonight. I'm going to Reckless with Michael (laughs) Shapiro tomorrow, and I'm ringside for Triple G. So I don't think anyone's going to hit that four-factor that I'm hitting here, but it just goes to show us again what's happening in Vegas this weekend.
7: Yeah, that's a good lineup. That's a good lineup, brother. Um, Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) typical. Yeah, I'll be, let's see. I'll be uh, uh, out tonight at the Atomic Saloon show. They're unveiling a documentary. I'll be at Enrique Iglesias on Saturday. I'll be at Sebastian Maniscalco later Saturday. I'll be at Carlos Santana Sunday. And in li- at Life is Beautiful tomorrow night um, here in downtown Las Vegas. So we cross over only once in our respective <laughs> schedules. And that's a, that's now, a Tell greater. us about
1: Life is Beautiful as it gets over the years. And my sons are at the age now. I remember dropping them off when they were younger. Now they can get there on their own. The monster that is Life is Beautiful and the lineup and how so many people are entertained by this festival.
7: Well, it started in 2013. You know, uh, Rahan uh, Chowdhury was one of the co-founders uh, back in those days, and the idea was to bring an organic uh, grassroots festival uh, to the footprint of downtown Las Vegas. They shut down 18 square blocks and, uh, and made a festival out of it. And, we were supposed to, you know, the idea was to show the best and brightest of uh, the downtown scene, you know, with some um, established acts and also some emerging acts and uh, this is the uh, the ninth uh, installment over 10 years they missed mm-hmm. the 2020 for the uh, for uh, covid and it has become what they've envisioned it to become it's become a, a great event we're going to have 150,000 people out there arctic monkeys calvin harris gorillas uh, lord jack harlow or some of the cage the elephant is going to be out there key pain we have all kinds of different experiences set for the 3 days and um I, I will tell you that uh, it has gotten big enough that it's gotten the attention of Rolling Stone magazine, where, mm-hmm. which bought the festival, and their parent company, had bought, uh, bought the festival earlier uh, this year in February. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, they're kind of trying to <laughs> go corporate without, and still keep their kind of organic flair. So um, it's going to be a, a big thing. Like I said, 150,000 people over three days in, in the middle of our, in the core of our city is a big thing.
1: Yeah, Johnny Katz joins us. John Katz-Lamitas from the Review Journal. So I heard this term a year or so ago at an entertainment stress test on the stress for the city, traffic, police, everything that's going on. And whenever there's a big fight that has a lot to do with it and a football game and everything that's Mm -hmm. happening here with all these concerts, you mentioned Sebastian Maniscalco. I can't imagine how many lounge jacks are playing and other concerts are here You've been here a while now. How has Vegas evolved into putting on all of these mega events over a three- or four-day period? Because doesn't it stretch people thin here? There's only so many cops. There's only so much security. How do they pull it off? Well, you know this this isn't
7: a unique uh, uh, weekend because of Life Is Beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know that does throw it into a different dimension, and also with this first time we've that Life Is Beautiful happening, I think at a, at a, during a Raider home game and a major title fight at the same time um You know, I think that um, I think the planning is always there. I think we the, the, what what I'm remembering about all of this, and it, it, what comes to mind is um, a conversation I had actually with Rich Eisen from NFL Network, who I've known for a very long time. And he came into Las Vegas for the NFL draft, and they put the NFL draft, and they took over, you know, part of the strip, you know, and, and the people from the NFL were thinking, "Wow, this is going to be something. It's going to be, it's going to dominate the city. It's, you know." And it was a very big deal, but it did. The city absorbed it just fine. We, our infrastructure was was is made to handle this, uh-huh. these events, and these these are all things that we've done before ind- individually. We've had Life Is Beautiful, like I said, for a decade. We put on countless major fights. We have Raider games. Uh, we have uh, headliners every weekend. Forty something headliners, uh, ind- individual superstar headliners every weekend. So, you know, I think uh, outside of maybe New Year's Eve, you know, when we really get taken over, um, mm-hmm. this is going to be a, a, yeah. a another weekend where we, we can handle it as long as, you know, we, we have to make sure people behave themselves, so, especially at these yes. open air festivals. You know, hey, real quick, I got,
1: about, I got about a minute left. Let's plug Frankie yeah. Sidoris' new bar downtown, the rock god <laughs> guitar player. I love that. I love your feature on it.
7: The Hard Hat Lounge, folks on Industrial Way. It's just a little bit north of the Crazy Horse, too, if you know that area. Mm-hmm. It was it was made it was built in 1962. It's one of the oldest. I think it's the second oldest dive bar, only to Atomic uh, Atomic Liquors uh, downtown. Mm-hmm. And Frankie Sidoris, our rock star friend, Las Vegas native, who's played with Wolfgang Van Halen and Slash and you know various other artists. He's a bona fide rock star. Him and his partner Robbie Cunningham of Gorilla Pizza bought this place and they just opened it. And I was in there the other night. I think you went in there too. Yeah, it's fantastic.
1: I, I yeah, love a good dive bar. Great. This is next level.
7: This is this is a dive bar, folks. <laughs> and uh, I, it's in it's in the hood. And uh, I'll tell you, those guys will they will rock it in every capacity. No doubt. I'm really happy for them. Really hey, happy.
1: For hey, them. I'll catch you out this weekend. Always reading you. Thanks for doing this. All right, JT. Anytime, Johnny Catalamitas. Johnny Katz, Follow his entertainment column. Cisco, Black Hole Cisco. Let me get him up before the top of the hour. He'll be a part of our remote tomorrow. Cafe Americano, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, JT, man.
5: Always good to hear from you and talk to you. But, yeah, man, pretty excited about tomorrow. You know, the bobblehead of Gorilla Rilla Black Hole being unveiled. Our folks from Corona Modelo going to be there putting this whole thing together for us, man. We're just looking forward to it. Opening weekend, Man, I'm talking to you two, man, there is a lot going on in Vegas, man. It's This is the city that never sleeps.
1: I know they say that about New York, but, man, <laughs> this is it. This weekend's exciting, man. Hey, real quick, Black Hole Tailgate, J-Lot. I'll be rolling through with the wife and my son who's home from college. You know, he loves Raider games. He won't miss it. So what's in store, Black Hole Tailgate, J-Lot? Oh, Give me some details. Oh, man, you know, we got we – got,
5: We got everybody there this weekend, man. It's going to be exciting. The DRGs from Oakland. We got G-Squad, obviously us, the Black Hole, man. We uh, teamed up over the last couple of years, and uh, this one's going to be big, man. We got Raider Cody in the mix, Gorilla Violator Senor obviously going to be hanging out along with all the rest of the super fans. We got Modelo's, Corona's,
1: Pacifico's just all on ice just waiting to be consumed by the Raider Nation, man. See you out there. Thanks for coming to the remote, remote tomorrow. Spread the word on social media for us. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir. Oh, one last
5: thing, JT. Yep. If you got one extra ticket to that Canelo G Triple
1: G, I'm your guy. You know that. Uh, I'm looking. I got a credential. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Everybody asks, how does JT go for everything? Well, I'm, I'm comp tonight at Planet Hollywood for Nine Inch Nails. I have a credential for the Raider game and for the fight. And I'm going to pay to go see my good friend Michael Shapiro, Reckless, at Sahara. That's a great show. If you want a rock show that's fun with all the hits from the Rat Pack, Michael Shapiro, Reckless. I'll be there Saturday night with a bunch of friends at Sahara. I love that show. What a show today. Great job, Bobby. Kevin Ioli, Howard Balzer, the head coach, Josh McDaniels, Kevin Bollinger in studio, and Lee Sterling. That's what we do. Feel great about it. Cues on deck. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow. Cafe Americano, noon to two, Caesars.